Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, we're talking with my bud Chris Boone. We talk about his Tenny Virginia's techno, and here's two. So, how's it looking out in Maryland? Maryland? Yeah. You mean like G-Town? Yeah. Germantown? Yeah. It feels nice. You know, a little cloudy, nice little breeze, walk, you know, rolling through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, cool. You're from Baltimore originally, right? Yes, sir. What was it like? What was it like? Yeah, because a lot of people might might say, oh, I'm from Baltimore County, or I'm from somewhere like, or some might even say, you're from York, Pennsylvania. No, motherfucker. You know, it's like, oh, from, but they're from other places that are close, but not exactly Baltimore. Which part of Baltimore are you from, though? I am from Northeast Baltimore. Uh, okay. I grew up between, uh, well, I guess you could say, I lived on Walter Avenue. I spent the majority of my time at my grandmother's when I was in school over there in Morgan State, Northeast Baltimore. It is not over west, it's not it's not east, northeast. Is it's you know when I grew up, it was considered a decent a decent part of Baltimore. You know, it's probably gotten a little bit got a little bad since then, but um, you know, that's where I grew up. That's where I spent a lot of my time at. Uh, but my first, we first lived off of, uh, what's that, Moravia, Moravia Road, that's where, uh, my early memories are from, off of Moravia Road, and then I lived off of, uh, uh, off of Cold Spring and, and, and Helen, over there in Northeast, Northeast Baltimore, then moved to Walter Avenue, then moved back to uh, over there, Helen Road and Cold Spring, and Lock Raven, that whole area, and then um, then I moved to Pennsylvania, uh, eighth grade year, going into high school. Stayed out there, and uh, but I, but outside of that, you asked me how Baltimore was. Baltimore was chill, man. Like I didn't. You know, I had, fortunately for me, I had a really good group of older kids that, um, they kept me straight, man. Like, they kept me out of trouble. You know, we did our own thing. We was kind of like, kind of, you know, the comic book kids. We went to the comic book store, and we dressed up. We had, like, a whole little, like, comic book club at night, and we run the run the neighborhood with like capes on and dress up and shit like just on some geek shit. Um, so you're like cosplaying low key back in the day before bit, it was a, a thing. A little bit, a little bit. It was like team hide and go seek, and you know, like um, we we had a good time. We we just got together, play some play some music. Usually, you know, we was into the rock shit early, so I was listening to rock and probably like. Probably like around eight years old, I got I got into rock. You know, I was listening to Vanna and Weezer, and, and um, I guess I was, yeah, 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 around eight, around eight. Um, this is when uh, I started listening to it, and that probably helped mold mold me later in terms, of, you know, where, where my music was heading. But yeah, but Baltimore was, to me was good, man. I, I really I grew up. I had a good childhood. I can I can never complain about my childhood, you know. Not everybody has a story like that, but I actually had a really nice childhood. 
from the friends on Walker Avenue to the, to my homeboys now that I that been one of my best men at the, at my weddings, man. You know, so. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. I guess that sounds pretty cool. You know, like I didn't know that about you. I knew about the rock part, but I didn't know you had like a comic book club or something. I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, I was young, man. Like, um, the chick that uh, she was like my big sister. I call her Shannon. And, well, I don't call her Shannon. Her name was Shannon. And um, she's like five years older than me. So it was her and my homeboy Dante. And we uh, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. And then um, they really, but really, they kept me straight, man. They were older and they were just good kids. And, you know, we all love comic books and X-Men and all the rest of that. And, you know, I just kind of followed their lead and then you know I go around my grandmother's neighborhood and it was the same thing video games and X-Men and comic books and you know I I just I legit had a, I had a good group of a good group of kids around me growing up that's pretty cool actually I had to kind of figure out my stuff like nomad style actually you know like mm -hmm. those ones kind of deals but I grew up a little bit differently now but similar, actually. So, um, all right, so it's kind of funny because, oddly enough, I found out about Weezer through, like, Wizard Magazine, though. So, it's kind of funny. It's a kind of connection there. Dude, Wizard? Oh, man, I remember Wizard. Yes. <laughs> I was obsessed with that mag. I was obsessed with that magazine. You know? I remember Wizard. That's cool, man. Wow. I haven't seen a Wizard mag in a, a minute. They stopped making them, Jeez. unfortunately. And that was, that was yeah. the end of an era. It's like, fuck, you know? Like, it's not even a website anymore. What's even jacked up? It was like, because I miss, because I grew up on stuff like Wizard Magazine, Mad Magazine, Cracked a little bit too. You know, Cracked Magazine, not Crack any, not Crack Cocaine actually, you know. I, 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 I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but, you know, so it's kind of weird how I see Crack.com and everything, right? And like, um, I just see like, um, it turned into like this other format, but I guess it is what it is. It was nothing like it was growing up, you know. But no, no, no. It was it was a special time. Oh yeah. Last, it was like the last the last hurrah for like you know good comic books. I think was the mid to late nineties. You know. Totally. Um, that whole X Men cards, comic book stores. Yeah. You know, I, I, it was strong back then. So. Totally. You know. Yeah. It's like uh, the thing I commend nowadays because we had to grow up through really bad comic book movies, right? But now they're way fucking better <laughs> than I imagined. Way better, way way better. Had, I'm very happy of, of how uh, the kids of our generation has turned has turned. You know, the comic book just just growing up on comic books. That whole that whole uh, you know, that whole age group. You know, between I guess probably like 30s and 40s, late 30s to late 40s, that whole age group there, like it, it, it's a big part of what's happening with you know with the comic books now. Um, I don't know that to be for for sure, but I'm I would guess to say I'm pretty sure, you know, that age group had something to do with it, and then uh, the guys before and after that. Oh, totally. You know. Like, i put it this way, like, I'm nowhere near as obsessed as I used to, but because the thing about when you're, like, growing up, damn it, a nomad and stuff like that, right, 
it's hard to kind of keep up and everything or everything's got really dark to the point of repetition like i used to be a big gamer then everything became a call of duty knockoff you know and i'm like mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing it's just one of those things where it's like uh i'll let y'all enjoy this until it gets a little more s- settled and everything you know but okay but back to, but like kind of correlates though but i was one as you mentioned earlier so you you were just you discover you know or got into nirvana weezer and whatnot right so mm-hmm. what other kind of bands we checking out you know around that time uh, rage against the machine stuck out really heavy for me at a young age um who else stone temple pilots stuck out uh the presidents of the United States, is that it? the president of the United States, like uh, millions of peaches? I think that was hot in the 90s. Um, that, I used to love that song growing up. Um, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam for sure. Um, and I know I'm, I'm naming a lot of mainstream stuff, but that's really, you know, kind of what I what I remember listening to that was, was stuck out and at that age range, like, I didn't really get, I, I was into the rock scene when I was a young kid, like around 10, and listening to a lot of those bands strictly because of Shannon and Dante. Like, they were big in, oh, uh, Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. Marilyn Manson was big. Um, and not that I like Marilyn Manson. He freaked me out when I was a little kid. I, didn't, I don't think I, I like listening to him. I just remember <laughs> he was a part of that whole, that whole, you know. A whole rock experience at that time. Yeah. But uh, my dad, too, my dad put me down a lot. He was listening to I think he was the first one to put me down with Pearl Jam, actually. It wasn't even Shannon and then My dad was, was real, real uh, hard on Pearl Jam. He's a big Rolling Stones uh, guy, right? Yeah, he likes Rolling Stones. Um, he likes Led Zeppelin. A lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of wild stuff. You know, he, he's into Pink Floyd. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that all that came later on. Like I got back in it probably like around eighteen, nineteen, and that's probably around the time I picked up a guitar, and it it it, it kicked back in from then on. So like I had a gap from middle school to the end of high school where it was just like you know partying and you know hanging out with friends and uh girls and all that shit and then right after high school it kicked back in sounds about right because the funny thing about it is like when we first met actually you mentioned you were a drummer and everything right mm-hmm. what do you start playing drums funny story about drums so i tore my achilles when i was playing flag football and that's what really sat me down for a little bit I was still I was listening to music and everything. Like me and my homeboy was hanging out, going to shows, and it was actually a jazz musician that we went to go hit. Like the guy was teaching him bass, and I had never honestly I had never been in somebody's house that played jazz. Like, and so I was sitting there with my crutches, sitting on the couch, and this dude said, "All right, well, let me warm up. Let me get on the drums." And I'm like, dog, I was like 18, 19 years old. And he got on the drums, and he just started playing. And uh, his homeboy was down there. He picked the bass up. And actually, it was jazz that kicked it off for me. I went and sat on the drums 
and because my right foot was um, had the cast on it, I was playing everything with my left foot. So I set the drums up. He let me reset it up like I was playing left-handed. But it was more so open hand. So once I did that, I think inside of a month, I bought a drum set. And as my foot was healing, I was using the drums to help my foot to heal. And if you ever notice, when I get on the drums, I don't play cross hand. I play open hand. And that's all because when I, when I had a cast on, I played like a lefty. So when I switched back, I was playing open hand. So that's what got me started. Totally be impressed, you know. Kind of sounds a little bit like how this one guitar player by the name of Eric Gales and everything, right? He's right-handed, right? But everybody in his family plays left-handed for some fucking reason. It's like a weird tradition. So would you say it's almost like your first experience was almost like like playing, like, not backwards per se, but a bit, a bit more like a, a different style, you know? I, uh, I never felt like I was good enough to even call it a different style. I just was going with what was comfortable. Um, I just, you know, because my foot was in a cast, I couldn't use my right foot. So the way I saw people playing, I was putting everything on the left side. Like my hi hat was over to the, I'm sorry, my hi hat was on the right instead of the left. So I was crossing a hand like that, actually. And then. I got tired of have, having to take all the shit and put it on that side, so I left everything the way it was. <laughs> Once my foot got out of the cast, and I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to keep switching this shit over with. I'll just play with my left hand, open hand, because I always see everybody cross, and I'm like, I'm just going to play like this, and I'll figure it out. And the guy that taught me drums said, hey, one of the best drummers out there plays like that. Uh, what's his name? Carter Buford plays like that from um fuck Dave Matthews band. Okay. So, yeah, 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 him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of funny. It wasn't a big Dave Matthews guy, but I noticed either. but one thing I noticed was he had like an all black band though. Did he? Yes. You know, I, yeah, yeah. You know, what was it was a violin player, a trumpet player or something? He had a lot of brothers in the band. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's something I noticed I'm like, okay. Might not be a big fan, but I like this right here. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 now that you say something, you're right. I, I really, I didn't pick up on that literally until you just said something just now. Yeah. I never picked up on that. Oh yeah. You know, but the funny thing about it is, like, all right, at first I knew he was a as a drummer, but then I found you're a bass player, right? So, how did how did that come about? My best friend Ray. My best friend Ray played bass, and I was I was always never good, never really good at any of the instruments. I just always wanted to have him around, like in case someone else wanted to pick it up and we can try to play something together. So I would just fiddle with shit, and enough to so it didn't feel completely, you know, unfamiliar in my hands. So I, you know, I bought a keyboard, bought a bass, bought Guitar, because guitar was first. That was the first instrument I ever purchased. Really? It was the guitar, yeah. Um, and that's Alice in Chains. That was one band. Alice in Chains, uh, their, what's the MTV thing? Unplugged? Unplugged. Alice in Chains Unplugged, the song Nutshell, had such an effect on me, I went out and bought an acoustic guitar. But yeah, that was my first inter- instrument. 
that um, is that's another band that doesn't really get that's another banner here often that was their that was one of their gateways nirvana yes but definitely that acoustic performance with allison chains nutshell that was a song that has like a this impact on people like i didn't realize it though right song's awesome it is you know awesome it is, uh, you know. So I'm wondering, do you think being a drummer first, you know, made you a better bass player? Yes. Uh, just understanding time and any any time you get a chance to play with other people will make you better at your instrument, regardless oh, yeah. of what it is. Oh yeah. Um. So influences drum and bass wise. Who's my influence bass wise? Yeah, actually drummer um, bass wise. Drummer, easily that's a uh, Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I have more local, local guys and local bands that's been influencing me more than anybody else because they were close to me. They taught me things. They showed me stuff. And the crazy thing is majority of the drummers all the drummers that had the most impact in were like all named john they all played drums and they all like literally either wowed me in some sort of way or had a major impact on like maybe gave me a drum or gave me a cymbal or showed me a, a lick that stuck with me like it was just weird and they were all guys named john no shit. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite drummers are all John, except for Brad Wilkins things. True. I only know if this genre here can't play drum for shit, actually. Well, a little bit, but then I kind of figured out, like, oh, so there's different. Like, for example, when it came to, like, you know, like the whole hi-hat thing and the kick and everything, right? I didn't realize that there was a pattern to go with it. Like, oh, so that's why that sounds weird. That's why I can't play that, you know? It all makes sense, yeah. actually, you know? Spend more time, but I mean, hey, you stuck with your, you stuck with the guitar, and you sounded awesome. Thank you. So, oh, easily. Oh, yeah. Quite welcome, sir. Thank you. You know, actually, the funny thing about it is because I realized, from my understanding, it's like bass was not really your first instrument, but you kind of fell into it. It was really dope at that. You know. I like bass. Bass was fun. Bass was, man. Bass was so fun with uh, playing with you and uh, Danielle and Kells, bro. Like. Yeah. I really, really like playing uh, bass with you guys because it, it it was just fun. It felt good. It you know, good vibe. Just it was just good shit, man. It was all I can say about it. Thanks. Um, and I got to move around. I think I, I, I'm sure y'all remember that. Yes, I do. Like I was, I was trying to figure out how do you keep the coordination, move around and shit, basically, and playing bass because I'm like. I'm like, how is he staying in the pocket, actually? It's still moving around like that. How the fuck is he doing that? You the know? not even start yet. I'm just like, uh, it's a move. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. And, it, like, as soon as I pick it up, like, we play anything now, I, I, it'll come right back. Yeah, exactly. It'll come right back in terms of, like, you know, me moving around like a jitterbug, but, uh, you know. The notes might not come back right away, but the movement, you know, moving around will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, so the funny thing about it is I actually met you in 2010, 
you know, yes. in 2010 at Bench Chili Bowl, right, with, and it was actually an Afropunk mini gathering, you know, because I remember it was you, of course, Crystal was there, Chaz, you know, Courtney as well, um, uh, Marduka as well, you know, and Desiree, mm-hmm. you know, I remember that. So the funny thing about it is, like, because I remember, like, because I was trying to figure out, like, because I do remember, I can't remember exactly, but you did have a page in Afropunk for a second, right? The 09 version, at least, right? Uh, I had a what? You had a page on Afropunk for a second, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Be More Punk. Yeah, that was you. I just, that's, what I, yep. that's what I do remember, actually, you know? Because I remember meeting you, actually, because, like, we lived down this, in a close enough area at the time, actually, right? That was in 2012. That was in 2010, actually, right? So it's kind of funny how apparently you and Daniel knew each other from the board, of course, actually. Yeah. And actually, it was kind of funny. The only people, the person who wasn't on the board then was actually Kelvin. No, no. I didn't, I didn't really know her on the board. It said, that might have been Desiree. That was Desiree, actually. Yeah, she was on there, but yeah. it's like, no, but it's like. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't on it. Wait, wait, wait. Because I remember something about, because I was trying to figure out. Because I did have you in mind when the band was forming everything. Jenny and Stephen was forming, right? Because I remember what happened was there was this one project. It's supposed to be like this thing, almost like a black punk version of Get on the Bus, right? And it's supposed to feature me, Danielle, Desiree, this other guy named Alex, I think, and somebody else, right? It's supposed to be like a crowdfunding thing, but no avail, so that dissolved, right? So we all kind of hit it off and everything. Danielle found she can play. It's like... Daniel said she played bass and everything, right? So I was like, okay, which is an area. So I invited her over, and she mentioned she can sing everything, right? It's like, okay, cool, you know. So then around later on, 2011, I ended up watch. I'm checking out Fishbone with two other APers, you know. I was like, okay, I was like, so I invited her basically like around January to get stuff started, right? So we had like you know Ernie was around basically playing bass, but he was like, hey, I'm just filling in whatever, right? And the funny thing is, though, I've always had you in mind for a play drums because I remember, okay, I know a guy that can play drums, though. But, okay, there was another band you were in previously before, though, called Here's Two, right? Here's Two, yeah. Are you cool talking about that or just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no gripes with that, man. Here's right. Two. All, all, that was all, uh, let me see. The lead singer I went to high school with, actually the lead singer and the keyboard player I went to high school with, um, the, the guitar player, the two guitar players was, one of them was Glenn, my homeboy from NTB, you know, he was putting ties on his shit. Okay. You know, that was, that was, man, that's my ace right there. That's my boy. Um, the other guitar player, uh, guy, he was, uh, he was Bateman's cousin. Uh, the vocalist, he was a bo- vocalist cousin, and then the bass player, Tyler, he was uh, he's a bass player. Yeah, I mean, he was actually in a band prior with the vocalist, so they had, they were in a, a band called Everin that broke up, and then he we started his too, and you know I I hit him up and I was like, dog, you know I I saw he was making the band, he was like, yeah. Um, why don't you come out? I said, man, if you ever need somebody else, I don't care. I'll play whatever. Like, I'll try whatever. I'm not great, but I'll just play whatever. He's like, all right, well, come play drums. You got drums, come play. And 
I just kept coming back, and it just stuck, and we stuck together for three years, driving from Montgomery County up to Pennsylvania for three years. And um, it, it it dissolved, I think, you know, mainly the vocalist was having some issues with uh, things outside of music. Ah. And I think that three-year drive was starting to wear on people. Um yeah, I and it was some other you know internal stuff. Bands break up, so understood. Other internal things that kind of you know that kind of broke us broke us up. But you know once once things started to uh, kind of look like they were taking a turn for the worse, was I was done with making that drive, and then probably a few months later, Desiree was like, "Hey, you remember John from?" The you know the Afropunk meeting. Well, they put together a band. You want to go try out? And I, you know, the rest is history. Yep. You know the funny thing about that is, uh, I was because around that time, right? Literally, what happened was it's like apparently like the other guy was playing baseball with Ernie, right? What happened was we couldn't get in contact with him for some reason because he was on lockdown, right, at his job, right? And what happened was I was like, I remember. Oh shit! I remember Chris plays bass, and also Dan remember that too. So we were like desperately trying to get your attention to get your. I didn't know how to get in contact with you, though, right? Because I knew you were on Twitter, but you weren't like, you weren't responding to messages. I was not active at all. Not at all. So I was like, oh shit! So we we're like, oh fuck! It was like three days away, literally. It's like, oh fuck! What are we doing? It was like, shit! What? Are... I was trying to figure out. Can I send a smoke signal? <laughs> I was trying to, I was, I'm a last ditch effort, I was like, okay, so, uh, maybe we can, um, do a seance or something like that, does anybody know get a chicken? How about a chicken sandwich? Fuck it. Just do something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, like, so, that's a good question, so, what did you feel you learned from your experience in here too, musically? Oh, man, um, what I was our first experience with a record uh, with a um, record label, so I got some record label experience. Um, having that many people in a band trying to figure out where what stuff fits with what, um, and I was because I was so green at the time. I was I got to learn from everybody. You know, I got to re- go into recording studio for the first time, sweating my balls off, scared out of my mind for that. Um, and then just just vibing, man. Like we had we had a tradition of every after every practice we had a big bag of fucking salt and vinegar chips, and we would all sit out front, smoke up. Uh, uh, some guys would smoke cigarettes and eat salt and vinegar chips and talk about whatever the next plans were. So those powwows, when we weren't playing music, was just as important as the uh, the music that we were playing, and just. Walking into the house and hearing people already with guitars and, you know, hearing music already being played before you get there and, you know, that whole atmosphere, man, like just, it it, it made me love it more. Like, that was just, that was really, it was fun. It it, it was my first experience and it worked out well. We got to play some some decent sized clubs. Uh, We played Autobahn, we played Chameleon Club. Um, good local scenes, but all places that I've seen my favorite bands play at. So that was one of the one of the and, and just 
uh, organizing stuff, like, you know, packing up. You know, I was real big on that in the band. You know, I was real, you know, yeah, yeah, I was kind of kind of asshole sometimes with that my bad if I if I was being a dick but uh yeah I was I was real big on you know making sure that you had we had our equipment and things was right and especially having being a drummer having a whole bunch of shit they had to carry oh yeah oh yeah yeah that was, is, I, that's it that's a game of Tetris I put it that way you know now looking back at it it's kind of funny basically the difference between like 18 and 21 21 is basically 18 with shipping and handling you know, <laughs> if you think about it, 25, 26. You're right. You're right. I like the way you put that. You're right. In 20, cause just don't be just doing the same stupid teenager shit. Now it is legal to drink. Right. You know, so it's like 26, 27, really that age. If you think about it really is almost like what you should have been doing at 21 or 22, but now it's almost like you're still learning shit actually. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really get any sense till your thirties actually mid thirties at least, you know? Yeah. But, I agree. I agree. You know, so I would say this right here is like, you know, so, I don't know, there are a couple of times where a couple of nights where I'm looking like, why the fuck did I say or do that, you know? Well, it's kind of deal. It's like, oh, my God. Thank God there weren't camera phones like that back then. At least wasn't recording me acting like an ass, you know? <laughs> so, okay, but that being said and everything, so what bands do you remember making an impact in the Baltimore scene, though? Oh, uh, man. Nice. Okay. Um, so the first band that I was really, really into that was for the Baltimore scene was uh, Eat Your Neighbors. This band called Eat Your Neighbors. Really hard to find their stuff. That was, and I saw them at Fletcher's before Fletcher's closed down. I remember Fletcher's. Never been, but I remember yeah. it. Um, okay, outside of that, of course, it was my best friend's band, Lovey. And he was in another band called Pandemortos. I used to go to their band practices and chill out. Um, what else? Who else? I'm trying to think of some of the other bands that was in that area. Uh, I know one of my favorite bands that I see play. They were local. I don't know. Actually, no. They were from Cali. The New York band that I saw play um, was... Uh, the hell were they called? Give me a second. Uh, oh my gosh. I know this band. Why can't I think of the name of this band? <sighs> Had an album called Low Country. Um, That sucks, man. You never that know. Sucks. Somebody might, you never know this interview actually. Somebody be like, yo, shit, that's us. You never fucking know. That's weirder stuff's happened. Like I've seen articles on Reddit. Somebody said I can't remember the name of his local band. Everything say that was me. Like fuck. Envy on the coast. Oh okay, cool. Envy on the coast. I saw them guys play at um at uh Auto Bar in Baltimore. My favorite venue, Auto Bar, and uh they really they really had a really nice effect on me. Um. I can't think of everybody right now. You give me, you give me some time. I can jot some bands now. But yeah, eat your neighbors for sure. Oh, um, another band that that I remember is Odds Are, and uh, Odds Are was actually a band that my dad 
my dad's co-worker's son played drums in that band, and they were really good. I really liked them. So in terms of the local scene, but yeah. Oh, and they actually they they, they got their single played on MTV. I think it was on like the background of like Roll Rules or something. They had oh, like background music. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Pretty dope, you know. Because, you know, because I'm trying to, because <clears throat> the thing about it is, like, we talk and everything, but there's still stuff to learn about you. But one thing I do remember, you said you were more like, okay, alluding back to it, like, you know, like, you broke your foot playing fly football, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say you more of, like, kind of a jock back then? Yes. All right. Yes. I was definitely tracking football. Um, I was playing semi-pro football. Uh... Well, one year semi pro, nothing crazy. I, I didn't do a whole. I think one season we were so bad. More, yeah, more than I knew about. Like I had no idea. You never mentioned that. Yeah, some things ain't worth mentioning. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Bad, Notice. Um, Fair enough. Um, I won't say the team, but let's just say it was it was it was not the best situation. So, but um, yeah. If you were to give it a name, it would be Baltimore Shit Show or something like that? If I was to give it a name, I ain't putting associate Baltimore with it at all. <laughs> it was some shit out here. Oh. Fucking PG County. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to leave people out of that. That's home. Oh, was, okay. So I didn't know I didn't know it was here in the area. I had no idea. Because, yeah, see, yeah. I didn't realize you were out here like that. I had no idea. Shit. That's just man, folks was coming to the bank, coming to football practice, smoking cigarettes and shit. It was crazy. Like, dog, we had practice. Why you got a cigarette in your mouth? You know what I'm saying? Offensive line wasn't there. You might have had two offensive linemen that would show up for practice, and then half of them might show up for the game. It was trifling. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I called the Prince George a piece of shit. So how about that? It, it was. It, you can call it that. It was. You know. <laughs> I did not know this. So, yeah. that's interesting, you know? So, like, all right. But, yeah, I remember, like, Lovey, because what, I remember Lovey because I know, like, the roots of that band, according to, um, according to Omar, the story was, it started out in, like, it started in Philadelphia and, it, and then moved to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, Omar was from Philly. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, him and Ray linked up, and then... I know that whole story. Like, damn. Uh, <laughs> God, don't quote me on it, but yeah, I know. I told Ray that this motherfucker would not get on Craigslist. I said, dog, get on Craigslist. You'll find people, I promise. He's like, like, man, fuck Craigslist, blah, 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 blah. And then he finally gets on Craigslist. Him and Omar link up, and you can ask them about that. Hey, there you go. It's like, um. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Craigslist. It was basically good for finding good services. Now it's just uh, humantrafficking.org. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much, you know. So, exactly, you know. So, I was thinking about that. One thing, like, flashing back or anything, one thing, like, you know. But here's the difference between the two rehearsals, right? You know, the the way we bonded, right? Okay, and here's two. That was so goddamn wholesome. The salt and vinegar chips, smoking cigarettes, and laughing stuff, right? I'm thinking... <laughs> That was a 180 with us. <laughs> like, goddamn. Yeah, a it little was... bit, but it was, it was, it, it felt, it felt good. Absolutely. I was happy with the music that we were making. 
And um, not to say I wasn't happy in the moment making the music that we was making with his shit. Uh, I just, I think where I was musically and drumming wise wasn't where I wanted to be. And the stuff that we had coming was kind of the, the, the direction that um, that I wanted the band to go in. And we kind of broke up right before that change happened. So there's an album that we never released and there's cuts that we never released that I still play. And I'm like, why couldn't we ever just get this out? This is where, like, because anything that you hear now from his two um, was my very, very beginnings of drumming. And the stuff that was coming after that, the bet, the songs that we had that never made, like we had an album, but we never, we, we broke up before the album finished. We were heading in that direction and I was always frustrated with not getting out the music that I wanted people to hear with that band um, back then. So when, you know, when Jenny Hees Techno came along, and I was happy with the music that we were making. It meant a, it meant a lot to me, you know. And we were getting that out to people. Was somewhat. Was, we didn't get an album out. Well, when I was there, but yeah. Yeah. Well, was the direction? What direction were you trying to go in with here's two? And was Jenny's techno kind of, you know, probably the same road, but it's almost like a detour to the same destination. Um, the the direction I was trying to go, where we were trying to go, uh with his two we wanted to get we were more pop punk and very radio friendly too radio friendly and i think we were going for more edgier sound and um that wasn't happening uh well it was happening but it was happening right around the time that there were issues in the band so that's why uh it, we didn't we didn't want to do it he needs me Alright, can we pause this? Oh, yeah, sure. I gotta take a phone call real quick. No problem. Okay, hold on, man. No problem. Yeah, uh, well, the difference between the PS2 and Jenny Hayes Techno, different sound. First of all, we had a, we had Danielle, and I love Danielle's voice. I just the way she went about the fact that she liked rock music and she had that churchy feel, but at the same time, she knew just enough. She had just enough mix 
of you know the things that she listened to that that, that didn't quite be it wasn't quite churchy it just brought got a nice got a nice sound I like the way she went about the lyrics I like the way she sang the songs you know um kind of a raspier sound like I really dug her voice and it was completely different from you know Dan and all that uh so it was that alone it was only four of us um Kells was killer on the drums um the the uh the fact that simplicity yet it was it was simplistic but it the sound was I hadn't heard it like in terms of us like I it was we didn't really fit a mold that I was familiar with really I really really like that everybody really, said really, the, really like that. everybody said the same thing like they did remember like remembering the commission said something like there was one promoter okay sort of people listening at home this is one promoter by the name of commission actually right um he used to run this um showcase called i forgot what it's called but anyway um what happened was he said he doesn't know where to place this right so i'm like how about on stage that was the thing about it because it blended so much like you know you have people from the hip from worlds from like that really it's hip-hop really dug us and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and and also from metal it was just one of those things where it accompanied like it was kind of like it was like it was like the idea of fishbone but without the horn section of sky influences yes you know so it just balanced out and everything you know yeah so well yeah it's like but that's the fascinating part about it like i've always sometimes i refer to basically jenny's techno is almost like um church kids that discovered whiskey and sin <laughs> if you think about yeah. it because i'll take that like i'm thinking about it right here it's like um so okay, not not to get too personal. Is it cool to mention or not? Because you, you used to be a Jehovah's Witness, right? Yes. Okay, Daniel grew up in the church. Kelvin was learning to play drums in church when he was three years old. I really wasn't a church guy. In fact, truth be told, is uh, I ended up coming back with a weird story. Not like that. Not like that. No, it was just a really weird. I can't believe it happened. Story. N- not like not like that. Um, just yeah. Bottom line is this, but we had this kind of like this spiritual background and everything, right? But it's like, hey, what is this? Jameson? This is amazing. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like like what is this? Woodford Reserve? Well I'll be. <laughs> Ooh. Ay, ay, ay. Ooh. Good times. Yes. Ay, ay, ay. Good times. Yeah, the, you will fight gravity on that. <laughs> Man. Gravity turns like but you know, for this, for another, for another, that's another episode. To explain that actually, you know. So, funny thing about it is, one common thread amongst many is that you and I in the band were at least wrestling adjacent. I was still a hardcore wrestling geek, still am now, but I know you still had a preacher of Bret Hart in my heart, and, you, and now you're getting back into it, right? I had what? It's like you were kind of a wrestling geek back then, but you were kind of yeah. out of it, but still interested, all right? So. Yeah. You know, funny thing, I was the only one in there really had that kind of interest, right? So, but I noticed you were getting back into it, right? So, I don't know, have you been checking out, like, AEW or, like, um, or WWE or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts on it? Um, WWE is hard to stomach. Fair enough. <laughs> I can I can watch next, NXT. Yes, because that's really wrestling, um, you know? Yeah. What is my girl? Uh, I recently, and and again, I'm not 
in it like I want to be. I'm kind of trying to push my son into it, so I'll get back into it a little bit more. That's tradition. But, uh, that's how I got into it. My dad. Yeah. Man. That's a that's a bonding thing, you know. That's one of the things that he bonded shit. You know, it's the secrets. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, I found myself I, I I found myself liking more of the the female wrestlers now these days. Oh yeah. Um, like Amber Amber Moon. Yeah. Yeah, I she just recently came back not too long ago, and I watched her wrestle, and man, I was pretty sure she was beating chicks up in there. And if she wasn't, she did a great job of selling, man. And um, she really gave me like some hope because I was just some of the stuff has gotten too cartoonish. Regardless of like impact can get a they go a little out there sometimes. Yeah. WWE kind of they ride the line, but WWE, you you'll still get your decent matches, but I'm if it ain't NXT, I'm probably gonna watch some old '90s wrestling or like mid to mid to early 2000s. Um, I'm a I'm that I like technicians. I like like a Dean Malenko, Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah. Um. I like those type, Mr. Perfect. Like I, I like technicians, and um, that I, I look forward to seeing that. When I see a lot of you know flipping around and guys missing or missing a cell or, or messing up the messing up a, a kick or not selling enough, ah, oh, I can't take it. I feel you exactly and completely. You know, because like, listen, the only reason why I'm still watching WWE right now, only reason why is actually two reasons why, actually three. The first reason why is because it's a Monday Night Raw. Only reason I still watch is because I have a friend on there. I'll put it that way. One of my buds is actually like one of the main dudes on there, right? Only reason why. Yeah, he's on Hurt Business. You know? You know, the second reason why is because, all right, you know what? There's something about the new date. It's like it's, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. But the funny reason why, because, okay, let me tell you right now. Xavier Woods, he kind of killed the argument. What, what's the argument? Okay, all these black nerd forums or whatever, the argument was, you know, it's like, oh, girls don't like me because I like video games and comic books and whatever, right? If you ever seen the tape with Paige and Brad Maddox and him, they kind of killed the argument. I'll put it that way. <laughs> that's gotcha. one of the, okay, that's what you mean now. That's one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, mm. um, so it's, a, it's one of those kind of things, right? And Xavier's more of a technician. Like, he really was, like, an amateur wrestler. In fact, back in the day when they were in high school, it was him and Cody Rhodes. You know, they actually did wrestle in high school. You know, like, actual technical I didn't know that. Yes. They actually, it was kind of a weird story. Like, it was weird. It's, it was kind of a karate kid thing, you know. Except the trouble about it is both the stories, one guy thinks they're Johnny Lawrence and the other person's story. That's the weird part. You good. One guy thinks they're Johnny Lawrence. Okay, remember the movie Karate Kid? Yes. Yeah. Remember how? Was that his name? The main character was Johnny. Lawrence? Yeah. Was yeah. The bully was Johnny Lawrence. You know the guy. Oh, the bully. Yeah. The okay. Cobra Kai. Yeah. The, gotcha. Both. Right. Both of them claimed the other guy was Johnny Lawrence, and they were Dan Larusso. Best way to describe what's going on. There we go. So nobody knows who was who. You know. Um. So point being, though. So either way, it's kind of funny. Where, you know, they still. It's one of those things where it's like. The other, of course, rival promotions, you know, Cody's over in AEW now, right? Which is a kind of a shocker, actually. 
which makes sense. It was kind of a shocker, but. And the third one is whenever I'm watching Raw Monday Night Raw is because of the fiend, right? And I figured out the gimmick. It's pretty obvious. Scare the kids? No, 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 no. That, but also figured out what the fiend really is. He's the Misfits logo. He's a what? He's the Misfits logo. He's the Misfits logo. Think about it. All those Misfits fans, what are they called? Fiends. The guy, Bray Wyatt, he is a big Misfits fan. He's seen with the band T a lot. So, Donami, the Fiend is basically a whole as nod to the Misfits. And what is it? And the thing was, so there you go. It's like, you know, so I figured out. So, like, it's red, crimson, crimson skull thing. That's what the whole thing is. In fact, it's time we rolled his eyes back in his head. Oh, now I get it. So, you know, so I'm like, only reason why, because it's a guilty pleasure, you know? And, I don't know, something about those other guys on SmackDown Street Profits. Something about those guys. They have a. Hey, I'm surprised they made it because I remember they first started in 2017. They started making some kind of... Because to me, they look like Crime Time. Except one looked way malnourished. <laughs> they look like Tommy Davidson. What, what was it? Didn't they have another name before they were the Street Profits? What, what were they? No, no, that was it. It might have been like Street Profits with like an S dollar sign in there. But that was them. Okay. I thought they had another name. But nah. I can't deal with Street Profits uh, interviews. Nah, they, they still haven't figured themselves out, you know, because you have the t- tiny one, Montez Ford. He's really squirrely, loud. I get it. But I kind of feel like you are too small to be talking that big. Chill. <laughs> you know, and the other one, you know, Dawkins, right, where I get completely get it. Though basically, he's like the bigger dude, like kind of more quieter dude. I get it, though. But it reminds me of an old cartoon, actually, like this weird old cartoon with a bit of did a parody of Abner Costello. That's what it kind of looked like to me, you know. But I do get kind of curious where they're going to go with it, though. That's the thing that kind of piques my interest, though. I I won't speak on it. I'm not. This is recorded, so I'm going to leave it alone. I have very little to say about Street Profits. And I'll let it. To say, I, <laughs> no, I'm done. That's a lot of dads and their kids bond, actually, through wrestling. That's what they do, you know? Shit. You know what? My dad would buy a pay-per-view here and there, but would not watch wrestling. Hmm. Usually, and like, that was like me and my friends thing. Like me, Ray, was a couple guys like from back in elementary school. I had one homeboy named James. I wish, I, James, I have no idea where he's at these days. But uh, I wish he was well. a kid. All we wrestled, that's all we did was wrestle. <laughs> had real, man, I knew this one kid and his name was Steve, man. Steve was the best referee. Like, if you ever bumped Steve, like, he would sell the knockout so good. <laughs> oh, man, Steve was the man. We love when Steve was there to be the ring. Because he was kind of, like, you know, kind of geeky and kind of scrawny and really wasn't going to win any matches with anybody. But he played a referee so, so good that we were like, we were like, no, we got to get Steve to ref. Like, we would go to his house just so he could ref. Yeah. And he loved it. He was a wrestling fan just like us. Oh, you, man. You just bring me back to all sorts of crazy memories. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. You know, it was great talking to Chris. Actually, if and when time permits, I'm definitely working with him again on something. 